until the music was already playing, I think. Oh, well, that's life. Welcome to Back from the Brink. I'm Todd Brinker. Aaron will be joining us momentarily. Today is 420. Light them if you got them, right? Hey, uh, 420 today, April 20th. Um, we're two days away from Earth Day. Uh, there's a great documentary called The Year Earth Changed. Uh, David Attenborough, uh, great voice is the narrator and it talks about how earth has rebounded over this course over the course of this last year as human beings just sort of stepped back because of of covid-19 we stepped back we 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 shut down a lot of of production we we stayed home and scientists were stunned all the gloom and doom about all the horrible things that human beings have done to the earth and we've done some pretty horrible things um and in one year it is stunning how air cleared how animals rebounded um things just like you wouldn't think about noise pollution animals have become more talkative and communicating better and as a result uh, mother animals are able to go out and and hunt and provide better for their children because the they're able to communicate at longer distances because there's not so much human noise going on. Uh, there's an evidence of, of whales uh, breeding and, and eating better because the mothers can travel further away from their children to go get food and uh, and then bring and, and then come back to them and not, have to worry about not being able to hear them because there's too much background noise from ships and oceans in, in, in our oceans. And, uh, uh, you know, some animals like cheetahs are able to raise, you know, two cubs instead of one because they're able to create enough food for those children to live into adulthood. Um, and so it's really stunning how both the, the earth itself with less pollution and less noise uh, has rebounded in such a quick way wh- it, that nobody anticipated, that nobody thought that things would come back that quickly. Um, but uh, the Earth is pretty good at regenerating if we just step back, which makes me think that maybe when we step forward again into uh, the post-COVID times, that we, by staying home more and working at home more, creating less pollution, less having to travel back and forth on a daily basis, that maybe we, um, you know, let the earth continue to heal up a little bit and do better and and not lose any productivity, not lose any ability for us to create, but um, but at the same time, you know, create some space for uh, for our planet to, to create more healthy life cycles for uh, the earth flora and fauna um and uh anyway it's a pretty cool uh uh, documentary i recommend it it's called the year earth changed um it is streaming on apple tv plus so you need to be an apple tv plus subscriber but if you have bought an iphone in the last 18 months you get it for free so if you haven't signed up for it then you should because it's free and there's some really great shows on apple tv plus besides this one 
but I strongly recommend the uh, the year Earth changed if you haven't had a chance to uh, to watch it. It's really good um, and really interesting and very uplifting as we come into Earth Day, which is the twenty second of April uh, traditionally. So uh, we'll I guess there's celebrations going on from the twentieth to the twenty second, uh, probably kicked off by burning a little ganja yeah so uh because it is 420 for all those so inclined um before we went to the break we were talking about non-fungible tokens and sort of the the insanity of of non-intrinsic value you know that you can that things have value because people say they have value not because there's any intrinsic value in the creating of something it's not like Hi, Aaron. Hello. So, yeah, I was still talking about uh, non-fungible tokens. That's just nuts. <laughs> just, yeah, it, it's just, just, you know, it's so speculative, mm -hmm. you know, and, and if the whole thing fall, the bottom falls out, nobody really knows how it works anyway. So, yeah. you know, I mean, you have no recourse. You have, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, I guess, how you spend your fun money because, yeah. Why would you spend all that money on something you don't own? I don't understand. Yeah. It's, it's essentially, it's, it's like, um, I mean, the only thing I can liken it to is buying uh, packages of, of sports cards, right? And, I mean, the actual value in sports cards, there is some value because there is the you know, actual value of the, of the piece of, of cardboard, right? And their you know, possession is your proof of ownership whereas with a non-fungible token you go back to the blockchain back to the ledger that says who owns it and when it when it's transferred then you can you know that gets logged into the ledger and then the world agrees that now this other person owns it but the actual value of the physical card is so little that it's almost the same thing you know there's no way you can justify you know paying hundreds of thousands of dollars for a for a baseball card but people do if if they determine that that one's what the value is of it, you know, if they, that somebody wants it, it's it, there's no sense to it, right? So that's the thing that I guess I, I liken it to, um, you know. And like the NBA is doing, you can buy a package of non fungible tokens, just like you could buy a package of trading cards. And in a sense, that's gambling for that, that's unregulated, right? Because you know, you go buy a package of cards for whatever they cost. You know, I don't know what a package of, of baseball cards costs these days. Or, a, you know, some people buy a, like a case that has multiple packages. Um, and they have inherent value. I know somebody when I was in college who was buying, when he had extra money, would go buy boxes of, of baseball cards and then never open them. And he said, yeah, like in 20 years, people will want cards from, from the, you know, from the uh, 80s uh, that... You know, there might be a really, really valuable card in that. So even if the box ha doesn't have anything in it, the value of that box will double or triple, and you can sell that. And it's like, well, when you think about it, how many things double and triple in value over time that you can buy into for like 20 bucks at a, at a time, right? Almost so, nothing. Yeah, and so he was buying them and storing them and, and knowing that, that someday an unopened box of cards from this time will be worth a lot of money. And uh, because he knows that in that world, in the people that buy and sell those cards, that that $20 box will be worth $100 in 20 or 30 years. And so you go, well, that was a five-time increase in my investment. 
you know, and all I did was buy it and stick it in, you know, stick it in the garage and then go pull it back as long as you keep it in decent shape and don't let it get wet or anything. Right. Um, and on, and if you do have the rare occasion to actually get a specific card, um, you know, those generally go up in value too, because later on somebody thinks it's worth more. You, you, there is some risk. Somebody could suddenly find a box full of, you know, baseball cards that were hidden away that we thought they were incredibly rare. And now we find out this guy has 60 of them in a box somewhere. Right. But, uh, yeah, I guess, you know, it's, it's, we don't like to think of it that way, but most of the things that we have there, the perceived value is different than their intrinsic value. Indeed. Certainly that's true of all collectibles, you know, but you know, you can also collect things like, you know, statuary or something that, you know, 20 years later is worth, you know, no, no more than it was when you bought it, sometimes less, right? So, you know, th- there's people who buy the little Hummel statues and things like that. So, uh, you know, it's if you're going to be in that world, then you really need to be all in because those are the people who, who win at it because they do things like my friend did with the baseball cards, right? He wasn't saying I was going to go find that one special card. He looked at it as an investment. I'm going to buy this box because this box will be worth something to somebody in 10 or 20 or 30 years. And that box, because of what it might contain, uh, will go up in value almost certainly. Whereas, you know, trying to find that one special card or knowing that one card from this particular year is difficult to do, you know? Unless you buy, like, I know they buy the whole set. Like, you can get a whole team for one year or, 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 you know, and it has a rookie card of somebody who turns out to be famous, right, 20 years later. Um, But I don't know. It's just... It's a strange world, one that I've not been part of. So, yeah, I, I don't I could, even like going to Vegas. Yeah, it's it, it. There's a sense of gambling to it, right? Yeah. I mean, certainly if but you're yes. spe- spending two hundred and fifty thousand dollars on a non fungible token of a photo of Edward uh, Snowden, yeah, that's a heck of a gamble. <laughs> but okay. So, um, you know, uh, today's 420, but 422 is actually Earth Day, and there is a great... I thought it was 427. Uh, 422 is what I read, because that... Anyway, um, well, we can look it up. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, there's a great documentary on Apple TV Plus called The Year Earth Changed, and it talks about how Earth has rebounded in the flora and fauna department over the course of 2020 when human beings stepped back. And it's actually really, really interesting, and it's well done, and it's narrated by David Attenborough, who is, you know, one of those guys who's like the voice, right? James Earl yes. Jones, David Attenborough. I mean, th- these guys, you just like, when you hear their voice, you go, ah. Oh. <laughs> and uh, uh, I highly recommend watching that Um Know, and if you've bought an Apple phone in the last year and a half, uh, you get Apple TV Plus for free right now. So you should sign up for it if you haven't. Um, so, and very good, so, very good documentary. You know, I know that like in places like the uh, uh, around Chernobyl, mm-hmm. where you know people are not, weren't allowed to go there because the radiation was too high. Yeah, still, the not. flora and fauna, yeah, still, I, and flora, their flora and fauna there have just been thriving. Now, yeah. they, they could all die young of cancer. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Probably do. But, um, you know, if you go there, it's, it is just teeming with wildlife. Yep. 
Yeah, in fact, there's concerns that because there's so much wildlife that people are sneaking in hunting and then eating the meats and, and the animals are irradiated. Uh, and so then the person eats it and, and irradiates themselves because the meat is in, in, you know, inundated with radiation. So it's, you know, it's dangerous for human beings, but, um, uh, but it is, it's amazing how quickly the earth rebounds when humans just step back a little bit. Um, and, and I think the positive note here is, is that we've found that over the course of 2020, we don't have to get in our cars and go to work every day that we can be just as, as, um, productive and just as functional in a lot of jobs not everything but in a lot of jobs working from home and that one would hope that that our our uh, carbon footprint on the world and not just carbon footprint but noise footprint and everything else maybe we'll continue to keep that toned down a bit uh, it's interesting that in the course of the uh, the movie the documentary they talk about how noise pollution has affected like, wild cheetahs and, and whales and one of the uh, uh, benefits of them not being in such noisy environments is that they can travel a little further from their their uh, children when hunting and just that increase in distance allows them to better provide more and, and create healthier offspring and in the case of the cheetahs even uh, even uh, have you know double their their, their output because instead of having one child survive to adulthood um, in many cases they're having two or more survive to adulthood because there's enough food for them because they can travel further because they can hear their children's call further away because there's no noise um, oh that's interesting yeah you know and you think something like that well how could sound affect them well you know whale calls underwater if you can't hear your child, then you don't go that far because you want to stay where you can hear them and, and come back very quickly if there's anything, you know, if they need you, right, if they're in danger. Um, uh, but if you can travel a little further out, maybe a little deeper into the water, you can get more fish, then everybody's healthier. And, uh, and yeah, it's just, it was, it's very interesting how, how, you know, our presence or lack of presence has made things better for animals. And, uh, you know, and our pollution or lack of pollution has made things better for the earth in terms of ozone and, and air purity and water purity. And it's, just, it's, it's pretty stunning how quickly the earth has rebounded, much faster than the experts at all predicted. Um, you know, and uh, uh, makes you think that, you know, that, that maybe, you know, we can't stay locked down forever, but that we can maybe take some lessons from what we've learned and say maybe we can... Uh, we can find a way to maintain our productivity without going back to just, you know, the most expedient way to work, but, but maybe the, to, to think of, of that happy balance. Plus, you know, it's more cost effective if you're not traveling back and forth. You get more hours of productivity when you're not tra spending hours in a car traveling to and from work. So for those jobs that you can do that, it makes a lot of sense. You know, we were, it's interesting, I was, I was in a meeting online we were talking about some of the larger meetings that, that happen where they're all catered and there's just, you know, and that, that people love those meetings, but they're very expensive. And so, you know, say you have a two hour lunch meeting um, or, or mini conference that you go to and there's food and, you know, all kinds of logistics. And, you know, when you mm -hmm. realize that you can do all that stuff online, um, you know, it just changes everything. Now I'm sure the restaurant industry would not like that all to be, to remain online, but um uh, I think that I think that we will end up, you know, 
with significant changes over what life was like pre-COVID. Yeah, yeah. And there will be benefits of that, you know, that, that are not obvious benefits. I mean, some of the obvious benefits are to, you know, travel time and, and, and things like that, costs to put on these meetings. Um, but some of the non-obvious ones are just the, the uh, lesser amount of, uh, you know, crap that we put into the air and, uh, and uh, the, the less noise, lesser noise we create. Imagine the lower stress levels, too, of not commuting. Um, you know, in Southern California, we're very much a commuter economy. Um, everybody gets in their cars to go to work somewhere. We don't, we, there's, you know, while we have some public transit, it's, it's a minor part of how people get to and fro every day. And, uh, you know, we're, we're lessening the amount of time that we're spending doing that. You know, yesterday, just going to coach was the first time that I sat in traffic trying to get there because there had been a fender bender and it backed up the freeway. And it's the first time in, in ages where I got on the, on the freeway to go somewhere and for the first three miles inched forward. And I was like, oh, man, I don't miss these days. You know? Yeah. God. Yeah. It's like, oh, I remember this. Yep. I remember this. And I didn't like it that much the first time around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, it's, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how we rebound when as we rebound, you know, and the choices that different people and companies make in terms of, of dealing with, um, you know, the reality that we've discovered that, you know, I'm not going to go travel into work somewhere if I don't have to, if I can do it right here. Um, you know, I've got it all set up. It works fine. <laughs> you know, um, I thought about that too, you know, in terms of like teaching a lot of the teachers, uh, you know, and this, there's a push to get kids back in school. And I think that there's an absolute need for that. Um, but I think that it would be really interesting when they start looking at, you know, at actual learning and test scores, I think they're going to find that while some people definitely have not done well, others might have actually done better. It'll be very interesting to see that and, and, and how people handle that reality of, hey, some people do better without having to be in, you know, in a situation where there's all kinds of distractions in a classroom with friends and kids who are talking and goofing off and, and you know, because there's always that kid who's not really paying attention. He's cracking jokes and distracting other people in the classroom. And, uh, you know, there might be people who actually learned more by going online, just like there'll be people who learned less because people learn in different ways and at different paces, um, you know. And are we going to create a situation where those who did better online get the opportunity to keep doing that? You know, I know those opportunities preexisted COVID, but, you know, I wonder how many people are going to option for that. I think that, well, there are already, um, and there were like options in some school districts mm -hmm. to do kind of distance learning. Mm -hmm. Um, and usually it was for, it was reserved for kids who were ill or, you know, had other, some other kind of issue where they couldn't come to school every day. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and perhaps they'll make that a choice, you know, you know, especially in the secondary level, you can take your classes online. Yeah. Um, and for some kids that'll work. Unfortunately, what we've seen nationwide is a whole lot of kids failing, um, yeah. because of, because of being online, they either, they're not showing up or they're not doing the work or both. Yeah. And, um, yeah. you know, they're just, or, you know, or not retaining it or not. I don't, 
for a whole a whole host of different reasons, which I'm sure they'll be studying. Kids oh, yeah. have not done well for the most part during COVID. Yeah. Well, there, like I said, I think that, and there's been absolutely zero coverage of it, but I would wager that there are some who've done better. I, I just, I absolutely believe that. I know that a lot of kids have struggled, a lot of kids have not done well, and I think that there's a need for them to be socialized. They, they should be with their friends. So I'm, I, you know, keeping them isolated is not a good idea, even if you're going to, even if they're, there are online options for you to do, because there's online um, public schools that have been available well before COVID hit, um, you know, and so you could do that if you wanted to. Um, I'm, I don't think that that in and of itself is a good idea. I think you need to get them out and about where they're interacting with friends. Um, you know, that's part of growing up and it's part of learning social skills and, and you know, kids need to learn to, to build friendships and, and build trust and, and betray trust and, and understand how it, you know, how that feels and how, how, what that means when you're, you know, as you're growing up, right? People that, you know, you trust and don't trust and you learn that there are people out there you can trust and you don't trust. And it's just, it's, it's, it's part of socialization and they need that. Um, so I'm not, I'm not advocating for, you know, anybody being online all the time and, you know, don't ever interact with people other than over a TV screen. Cause I don't think that's healthy for them and natural for them. But, um, but that said, I think that that might be a proper way for some kids to educate themselves. They might be better off that way and then do their socialization through, you know, dance and sports and things like that. So, um, you know, all I'm saying is, is that there are, you know, parents recognize, you know, if your child is one of the ones who's do, who, who did well, maybe that's not a bad thing for them. And if they did badly, then let's get them back to a situation where they can be more successful. So, so I have another education story and um, it's one that, that we have seen, we as in, you know, citizens of the United States have seen play out at universities across the country and it's really disturbing. So two students uh, at uh, Washington and Lee university, which is in Lexington, Virginia, um, they hooked up one night in 2017 and um, uh, the, the woman then claimed that she was sexually assaulted. And the guy was like, what? No, you weren't. So apparently what happened was, um, uh, and these, neither of them were identified, by the way, in court documents. It's, mm -hmm. it's John Doe and Jane Roe. Um, and so the, um, they were friends beforehand. Um, and then they, they, they hooked up. So she, she had actually been on a date earlier in the night, hooked up with one, another guy. And, and then the two of them started talking on the phone and she came over to his dorm and, you know, Jane Doe came or John Doe, Jane Rowe came over to John Doe's, uh, <laughs> dorm and they started making out and one thing led to another, et cetera, et cetera. And she left before he was awake in the morning and, and, and then reached out to her, the title nine coordinator at the campus um uh he was notified by a, a letter that said that um uh, a vague letter saying that he'd been accused of non-consensual non-consensual sexual penetration and that there was going to be an investigation um gave no details about the allegation except to say that that john doe could not contact jane Rowe, so um, he couldn't call her up and say that's not what happened um, so the letter also told John that he'd have to meet 
with this uh, Title IX coordinator. Uh, her last name is Kozak. Um, and Associate Dean of Students Jason Rodiker the next day. Um, this letter also said that he could choose from a list of hearing advisors and also seek advice and assistance of one advisor ch of choice, which can be attorney, an attorney at his own expense. So John was named one of his fraternity brothers as his hearing advisor, but Washington and Lee determined him to be the advisor of choice since he hadn't completed a training to be a hearing advisor. So he, he picked the guy that he wanted, and they said, okay, well, he's not qualified. Um, Jane, on the other hand, was provided by two, provided two law students to be her hearing advisors and selected a third advisor of choice who was reportedly a friend of hers um, who also claimed to have been sexually assaulted. So, um, you know, they, they – he is saying that it was very consensual, consensual – and that that she was actually the aggressor, she, you know. It's basically there. There's no proof. There's no proof of sexual assault. They both had hickeys. Um, there was no, you know, there nothing except her word against his. The university then uh, agreed with her and said, you know, and said that he had sexually assaulted her, and um, they found that. That, uh, that Jane had visited several houses before ending up at John's. One of these homes, Jane had consensual sex with another man before leaving his place around midnight. She returned to her house after midnight before John texted her to come over. Um, and uh, the Jane claims that she was tired and wanted to sleep, but the two began kissing. You don't go to a guy's dorm room after midnight to sleep, honey. Nobody does that. You would have stayed in your own room. Um, there was a condom use, uh, you know, the investigation determined that on the evening of March 11th, the day Jane left John's dorm room, she informed the first man she had slept with the previous night that she went to a friend's house after and was raped. Uh, Jane would tell the school this, this a day later, um, the sober driver who took Jane, of course there was alcohol involved, who took Jane, door, Jane to John's dorm said she was walking and talking normally, but was fairly drunk. Um, he said she was speaking coherently and didn't have to help her walk. Um, and this is according to the Daily Wire. So then they had a clinical psychologist from the university determine that Jane suffered from acute stress disorder brought on by a traumatic event. And they called the sexual assault that traumatic event. So basically, she had been drinking, had hooked up with another guy, then, then hooked up with, with uh, John Doe, um, who had also been drinking and smoking weed. Um, both of them were inebriated. They hooked up and she woke up in the morning and had buyer's remorse. Maybe she really liked the first guy that she had sex with and she didn't know what to tell him because she'd had sex with somebody right after, somebody else right after. Um, I don't know. Yeah. So it's, uh, it, yeah, it's, um, it's really terrible. Yeah. Well, so, the issue is, is there's absolutely no evidence in this case. I mean, it's, it's all just one story being told and, you know, even sitting here and reading what each person says, you don't get any intonation. So you don't know, you know, how they were saying it and, and you don't get tone of voice. So you don't know, you know, I guess when, as a human being, that's important. When somebody tells you a story, you, you pick up on, you know, tone, body language, facial expressions to make a determination if that person is, is being truthful or not. Right. I mean, that's, that's what we do. And, um, you know, so basically they listened to two stories and said, we believe her. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 
Now, I have never understood why these um, why these situations are referred to the university at all. I agree. Sexual assault agree. is a criminal is a criminal activity. It should be handled by the police department. Yeah. It shouldn't be. You shouldn't yeah, we, have a panel of academics deciding this. And where's the freaking due process? Yeah. Yeah. It seems to me this is completely wrong for a school to be handling this. We already have uh, professionals that handle dealing with this kind of thing, you know. So so you, you tell the police it ends up in front of a court and and and, you know, actual attorneys and lawyers can argue it out or it doesn't go to a court because there you know there's holes in stories um seems to me like you know most police would look at this and say well there is no evidence there's nothing for us to to charge anybody on other than hearsay and so there probably wouldn't have been a case um and yet it, the end result of this is regardless of what did or didn't happen or what people were or weren't thinking because you know we'll never know that uh, is that, you know, that this friendship has been destroyed and this guy was kicked out of school. Yeah. So the, the panel, um, for various reasons, said that his account was not credible. So he, he had dr he drank and smoked, smoked right before the before meeting Jane. But they said that wouldn't impair his memory. But her drinking much earlier did impair impair hers. And it's like, now hang on a second. Yeah. Well, but if you her know, memory's impaired, how come her story is the more believable one? Right. So he has filed a lawsuit, um, and it's still making its way through the courts. It has they WNL tried to have it dismissed, um, and uh, uh, that you know Washington Lee, Washington and Lee University tried to have it dismissed. It was not. So um, yeah. Judge Moon apparently refused to grant summary judgment uh, for. John's gender discrimination claim, which is which is how he's going about this. Right. But it, it is unbelievable to me that that any of this is adjudicated under Title IX. Everybody deserves due process. Yeah. And his life is ruined. Yeah. This whole, the, the I I think that the the lesson of the story here is is that you know college campuses should not be uh, trying to determine winners and losers. And he said he said she said things. They're not courts of law. They're not equipped to handle this. And this board of inquiry where they can select other students to help them, you know, represent their story is stupid. I mean, you know, he, he picks he picks a fraternity brother and she picks uh, two pre-law students to to help make her case. No, the university assigned oh, her ass two law students. Right. Yeah. And then she picked another person as her. Yes. What do they call it? The person of choice or whatever she gets. Or whatever so, they called it. Yeah. 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 It's just but the whole process seems stupid. Everything is stupid. <laughs> Everything is stupid. Yeah. I, I just I and and this is not unique to WNL. There are universities around the country that have had similar stories play out. Yeah. Um. You know where essentially what it sounds to me is that, like I said before, she probably really liked the first guy she slept with, and she didn't want him to find out that she, you know, was not done and, you know, found another guy that night. Um, mm -hmm. And so she made up a story to cover her own tale. Yeah. That's my thought. Yeah. I, you know, there's I, no I, reason why you go to a guy's dorm room, dorm room after midnight. It, it was really not except for that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it seems very suspect to me. Um, you know, and 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 the old adage of "Oh, a woman wouldn't lie about that" has been proven wrong oh, yes, over and over again. <laughs> you know, sure she would. Human beings will lie about anything if it, they think they can anything. get an advantage. There's a lot of people who who have have such low uh, standards and low character that they would just you know lie at the drop of a hat. There's people that 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 lie just because it's their habit, um, and uh, yeah. And the thing about it too is, um, uh, I, I'm tired of this. Women are both independent and strong and perpetual victims. If you if you put yourself in situations where that's likely to happen, and by anybody anybody would say, if you show up drunk at a guy's dorm room after midnight, that likely you're, the likely reason you're there is what they did. Yeah, it's not going to so, end well. It, you know, no, if, if that's no. not where you want to be. And and quite right. frankly, if you're a guy and a woman shows up, you know, after midnight, you know, I can understand the guy going, hey, hey, I'm going to get some. But, you know, exactly. Think about think about the uh, the the possible outcomes on this. Right. I mean, this is right. This is this is a lose lose, you know. Keep it in your pants, ladies and gentlemen. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> if you choose to have a, a physical relationship with somebody, maybe it shouldn't be based on somebody showing up at your dorm room, you know, after midnight, slightly tipsy. You know, I mean, yes. he says she was walking and talking fine, um, as did the person who dropped her off, I guess. But, uh, but you know, I don't know. I just it, it, The whole situation's awful. So, hey, um, let's talk about our, uh, our trivia question. So the oh, okay. first thing that was bought and sold on the internet back in 1971. Thoughts, guesses? Um. Uh. Well, you know, it had to be military. I'm guessing involved. So military guys. I'm going to say a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> it's 420. It was pot. Oh. First thing bought and sold on <laughs> the internet. First thing bought and sold on the internet was marijuana. 1971. Yeah. Oh, that totally figures. Yep. So I'm sitting in my car and a black cat just hopped in my lap. Mm, and it's a lucky black cat. Say hi to Pharaoh for me. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's listening to us right now. He's my buddy. And he is looking mm. all bright eyed and bushy tailed. He's going, Mama's so. home. <laughs> yeah. So they bought and sold, and it was very illegal at that time. Oh, yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. Even, yeah. I think, in Amsterdam, I think it was illegal. Somebody sent a message to, to his buddy and said, hey, you know where I can get some weed? Because, yeah, I got some. Hook me up. All right. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the Internet. <laughs> <laughs> so... Does it bother you? I'm, I'm going to go on a mini rant here. Um, there are, talk show hosts have been kind of dumping on America for the last several years. Like it's everything is, you know, everything in America sucks. America's bad. We're all we all need to change who we are. See, we don't pick on but America. It, it, we it, just it, say everything is stupid. It, well, there you go. <laughs> everything. Absolutely everything is stupid. But but there are two talk show hosts, like late night talk show hosts that really bother me when they do it. Mm -hmm. One of them actually is a naturalized citizen. The other is not. But both of them immigrated here. It's John Oliver 
and Trevor Noah. Mm-hmm. And I just, it bothers me because I feel like they've come here and they've gotten rich, which is great. You do you. But then, like, so they've cleared out, this is what it feels like. They've come into our house, cleared out the fridge, let, made a wreck of the master bedroom, and now they're telling me why I suck. Yeah. And that bothers me. That yeah. bothers me a lot. As it should. You know? <laughs> it's like, hey, I, I filled that fridge and, and clean up my room, my room you you it's, jerk. It's yeah. So, um, exactly. You know, it's funny. as it, uh, Between those two, I mean, Trevor Noah, I honestly have never watched the show since he's been the host. I've seen some clips, and I find him mildly boring. funny, but not particularly. And so that's and I've never seen a clip that was funny enough to make me go, hey, I want to watch his show because that guy's funny. He just doesn't work for me. Um, I have watched uh, John Oliver's show, but I quit watching it because I got tired of the positions he kept taking. He would do these rants, and 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 suddenly it was like, uh, well, first of all, I disagreed with some of what he was what he was saying. But then again, the most important thing is you're a comedian. You weren't being funny at some point. You just weren't funny anymore. You know, it's like okay, I don't care whether I agree with you or not. In some cases. Um, but you've got to be funny, uh, unlike somebody like Bill Maher, who is admittedly very liberal, um, and and you know, and I don't see myself as a very liberal person, and yet he is incredibly funny, and 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 he does, you know, even when he he says I'm liberal, he 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 will skewer a liberal opinion if it's stupid, and point out that it's stupid as easily as he will a a. a um, uh, a more conservative view on things and and you know I appreciate and respect that so I really enjoy Bill Maher's commentary and political satire I find that um, um, you know like I said I don't I don't listen to Trevor Noah because he's never said anything that was funny enough to get me interested but um, uh, the uh, John Oliver too often it's you know, it's like when you watch Saturday Night Live, there are some skits that are hilarious and other skits that were garbage. And, of course, the hilarious ones are the ones that we all remember. We forget that, you know, 80% of some shows were just not worth watching. Um, right. And uh, and I feel like that's the case with John Oliver. Too much of his show is not worth watching. Occasionally there will be a funny clip that will get released and I'll watch the clips. But I don't watch the show anymore just because I think too much of it is just not funny. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I just – I don't – you know, I'm tired of, of having our people who think they're our betters tell us how awful we are. And, you know, to have especially immigrants, this is why I mean, um, Ilhan Omar drives me nuts, too, because I know she's a citizen. I know she's in Congress and they're certainly a, a entitled to their position. But this America sucks mantra, it's like, look at where you are versus where you were or would be if mm-hmm. you'd stayed in your home country. So, you know, fine. You can yeah. criticize, but oh my God, we're not awful. Yeah. Yeah. If it's so awful, why did you come here? Yeah. You know, you seem to be doing pretty good from what I can tell. You're pulling down more every month than I am. You yeah. Know, you're, you know, pretty, financially you're, well. you're doing fine, you know, and, and that's not to say that, you know, and, and I'm sure they would argue, well, we're, we want things to be better. Okay. So do we, everybody wants things to be better. I think if you said we want things to be better, Anybody from any political corner of any or any financial status in the country would say, yes, we want things to be better. The question is, what does better actually mean? And does telling us all the things that aren't to your liking make things better? No. 
and, and they don't you know, and, it, and constantly it, telling yes. me that you know that 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 uh you know our society is doing this wrong and our society is doing that wrong and how could we possibly do this when we we should be doing that and it's like at some point it's like you know just shut up and do something if you want to make something better right. then go do something quit right. blabbering on about what is being done wrong and if you're a comedian your job is to be funny number one funny you can make a point while you're at it. You can do all kinds of things while you're at it. But if you're not funny, you're failing, <laughs> you know? Yes. And, and um, that's kind of where I feel about some of them is like they're, they're, they're so adamant about making a point that they're forgetting that their job is to be funny. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent agree. You know? hundred thousand percent agree. And I there, know that that's not were, a, I mean, nonsense. I love good comedy. <laughs> I have read a whole bunch about, about how comics go about doing their work and and i and i and i you know take in comedy whenever i can i love the intelligence that that comedians have about figuring out what is and isn't funny but man when they fail it is awful and when they fail regularly you're you're at some point you go i I, i'm not going to go out of my way to to watch this anymore and that's kind of where i am with john oliver um it's it's um you know his 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 hit to miss ratio has has slid too far for me to the point where I don't like, you know, used to be, I would be, Hey, well, what's all, let me just go put on, you know, Oliver's most recent show to see what he's talking about. I don't do that anymore because it's just, it's not entertaining. And he's, you know, above all, <laughs> everything else, fine. You're supposed to be an entertainer. You're supposed to be funny. And if you can't do that, you got no business being on television. And sooner or later, the people who put you on television are going to figure that out because the people who watch you are going to go away. Because we're not watching yeah. you because we, we want to, you know, go, yeah, yeah, I agree with your opinions. We want to watch you because you're funny. And if you're not funny, yeah. then you're not going to be there very long. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I agree with my, your opinions. Tell me again how I suck. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to watch that. Thank you. Because I need that in my life. Yeah. And I think he, the, the, the belief is is that, that their audience is going, yeah, you're right. It sucks. Um, but again. I'm not here to be your cheer squad. I'm here to be entertained. And if you're not entertaining me, pfft, I ain't gonna watch you. You know. Yep. You know. And and I like I said, the counterpoint for me is Bill Maher, who who stunningly is still amazingly on point and funny. You know, and he's been doing this for many years. You know, the the layout, the basic premise of his show, the way it's laid out. I mean, he does like an interview. Or he comes out and does like a monologue. Then he does an interview with somebody. Then he goes and sits with a panel. And then he does new rules. You know, that's sort of the, the how his show is laid out. Um, which new rules is sort of like the equivalent of, say, like John Oliver's rant or something. You know, I mean, it's for those who haven't watched his show. But above all, and there's times when he's more or less funny than other times, you know. Um, but above all, he, he, he is entertaining. He's still funny. And it's like... Um, you know, that's that's what's more important than anything else. You can sit there and go, yeah, I agree or nope, I don't agree with that. But you chuckle, you laugh, you know, and uh, uh, yeah, if it, I just feel like, you know, too often these these, you know, purported talk show hosts, they're not really talk shows, they're comedy shows. Um, you know, there's no guests on John Oliver. There's no guests on at least Mars actually more of a, of a talk show because he literally talks to somebody because he does have guests and does an interview right. each week, you know. But the late night talk show hosts are the same way. It's like some of the sometimes they're really funny. Um, 
but seems like sometimes they get a little too caught up in trying to make a political point and forget to be funny. And it's like, well, you know, I, I'm not watching you for political points, dude. You know, there's no, there's no score. I don't sit there with a scorecard. I sit there to laugh. And if you can't make what you're saying funny, then say it differently or don't say it at all. Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> There's and my rant. Think... You said you were going to start a rant and I took it over and ranted for Yeah. <laughs> no, it's true. You know, and you get that awkward clapter. Yeah. It's not really laughter. They're just kind of clapping because yeah, they that... like your political dig. Uh, yeah. Uh... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just yeah. cheering on bullies as far as I'm concerned. I don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. So that was my rant. You know, yeah. I think that there's things that we can change in the United States. And if you compare the United States to utopia, we are awful. But yeah. if you compare the United States to other countries around the world, we're doing all right. We're doing yeah. okay. We, and can we be better? Sure. Yeah. So can everybody else. Yeah. We, we've got problems, but our president isn't killed fighting in the streets with, with rebels. Um, exactly. You know. I mean, I you see Biden out there with a Mac 10 and a helmet on going, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, you yeah. Know, and when I we mean, turn on the tap, water comes out and yeah. guess what? It's clean. Yeah. Yeah. We're not and we flush the toilet. Our sewage is taken away from the house and not yes. dumped and, into the and, river. and processed and, cl and it's cleaned, not dumped out into the ocean like uh, the folks on yes. the beaches in San Diego have learned. Mexico doesn't do that. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, we're not perfect. Absolutely not perfect. I mean, I'm appalled at the, the, the continual, um, uh, you know, death by cop of people with dark skin. I, it, yeah, that's awful. We've got to deal with that. And we've got to talk about how we're policing in our country, you know, and the number of people that are in jails and how we, how we deal with that and what, what, what things need to be jailed and what things need to be, um, dealt with as, as, you know, addictions and and the fact that, you know, a whole bunch of states are making uh, pot free here on 420. Um, so people who are locked up for those kind of offenses, maybe they shouldn't be there. Um, you know, if you're in jail, uh, I agree. you know, and what you did was you were caught with, you know, uh, X amount of of, you know, marijuana that's no longer an illegal substance. Then why are you in jail? Um, you know, there, there's all kinds of questions like that that we need to deal with. Yeah, we're not perfect. But holy moly, people, we're not awful either. Um, you know, give ourselves a break. So Indeed. on that happy note, and that is our final word. <laughs> we are. Yes. Give yourself a break. Uh, and uh, everything is stupid. I'm Todd Brinker. <laughs> I'm Aaron Brinker. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>